that's just an additional stream of income if the guy working the counter, the owner, the manager, whoever can say, well, send me, a t- he'll send me a text real quick. What do you pay for this phone with a cracked back? I'm like, you know, I could give you 300 bucks. Well, the shop owner's there. They offer the person 150, 200. I don't know what margins they work off of, but just giving them that avenue to move that, it's definitely opened some doors and it's something I'm definitely going to continue doing here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Phones to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Justin Fry, and on this show, I, along with the people I interview, share tips, tricks, and strategies to help you start and grow your phone flipping business. I phone flip full-time, and I interview people from all over the phone niche like flippers, mobile repair, shop owners, wholesalers, and everything in between. We have Andy Zimmerman here today. Uh, he's a fellow phone flipper uh, like myself, and you know he's been doing it for a while. I feel like he's got some good information for us. And so, really, uh, Andy, I just want to jump in and kind of see how long you've been in the space, uh, how you got in it, uh, you know, what you were doing beforehand, things like that. Yeah, so definitely excited to be on. Thanks for having me here. Um, as far as starting phone flipping, uh, I think a lot of people have the same similar story where you find a YouTube video and it kind of just makes sense. Um, there's a lot to learn, but it, at the bare bones of it, it's just buy low, sell high. So it made sense to me. Um, started, bought my first phone in December 2017 and did this part-time up until 2020, pandemic hit, and then I went full-time with it. and been running with it ever since. Uh, before, before, before phones, I kind of was doing like the sneaker thing, the thrift shop thing, um, driving all over to garage sales, just kind of fighting people for, you know, a $5 item that's going to sell for 50. So the phone Avenue definitely made a lot more sense because you're negotiating with one person, really, you know, they're, they're looking to sell their motivated seller. So it's kind of, it made a lot more sense than driving all over the city, just hoping to get lucky to find stuff. So is that your biggest issue with the sneaker thing was, uh, or sneaker or whatever else you were selling was the fact that you just had to go out there and, and hunt and, you know, dive through a bunch of stuff. Yeah, essentially. So I actually, I made not like full-time money thrifting, but when I was in like college, um, I would go to thrift stores and I went to this one store where it was in a nicer neighborhood and they would always have video games like, and they priced them at like two bucks. So I would go in there every day and get probably five to 10 video games, you know, 20 bucks out the door, maybe sell the whole lot for a hundred, 150. And so one day I was checking out and the guy, there was like a younger guy doing the cash register and he was like, oh, is this stuff popular again? And I, I messed up and I was like, yeah, you know, it's coming back in style. And he was like, oh, okay, okay. And so from then on, I, every time I went, I never saw another video game on the shelf. Uh, he was just pulling them in the back. I oh, assume. no. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, just stuff like that where you he know, was getting like, them before anybody else could see them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so stuff like that, you know, it's out of your control, really. But the phone industry, you kind of definitely determine your own income with this. So uh, that's what made me stick with the phones. Definitely. So you said you started back in 2017. So what was what was the first phone you bought? What model was it? And what was the newest model at the time? Yeah, so I my first phone was a Rose Gold 7 Plus 256 gig AT&T. And so whenever I get one now, it's kind of like, you know, that's that's my baby. So um, I bought it. I put up an ad on LetGo. Put up an ad on LetGo. Um, walked like 10 minutes to the nearest gas station because I didn't have a car at college. Walked there, bought the phone. Didn't check anything on it. Didn't look at anything. Just gave the person 300 cash. Um, I got lucky on that one because, you know, it was like a one of the like those golden sellers where, you know, the phone was paid off and they just signed out everything. So I got lucky on my first one and sold it, but I got burned on the ones after that. But buying that first seven plus for 300 and flipping it for 500, you know, that's the the light bulb goes off. You realize I'm not, you know, this works. So I just need to put in the the legwork behind the scenes to, you know, get more phones on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds a lot like uh, how I started. The first phone I bought, I had no idea what to look for. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I actually had a, an Android phone was my personal phone. And so I had no idea what to even look at on Apple. I stumbled across it and just, kind of guessed at it and it was the same thing it was a it was a really good seller who had just upgraded and was trying to get rid of their old phone and so I got really lucky but then like you I got burned on my next couple phones from people that were not cool and uh but yeah so that I understand you know definitely where you're coming from there so you you said you bought it for how much 300 yeah so it was 300 and i i I think I messed up. That was 2018. It was like December 2018. So the 7 Plus, I believe, was it the 7 Plus? or I think the, the 10 had just come out. I can't remember the timeline, but I bought it for 300 That sounds about right. I put it on eBay for 500 and it sold like within five minutes. So, you know, I, I kind of looked at what the other ones were going for. I needed the cash back really quick, so I kind of just undercut everyone and you know, was that guy at the time. But um, got the money, and you know that first cha-ching when you hear it on your phone, um, and you see five hundred bucks just pop up. It's it's definitely an eye-opening experience. Yeah, it's definitely cool. That that first uh, experience, in my opinion, is just is super cool. Uh, the first one I bought was an eight plus and it had a cracked screen. I bought it for a hundred bucks. And, and then I put like a, I think it was like a 35 or $36 screen on it and then turned around and sold it, I think for three seventy five or something. So once that happened, I was like, boom, this is, this was this is too it. easy. This is amazing. And <laughs> this is it. So, um, so tell us a b- kind of, um, you know, the journey from when you started 
to where you are now. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe hit some of the highs and some of the lows. Yeah, so like I said, um, I started when I was in college. Um, kind of just look, looking for some side money, you know, just make money on my own time type of thing. Um, so I started in college. Um, you know, junior, senior year comes around, you start looking for jobs. Um, you know, that seems like that's the only path people want you to go at this point. You know, that you go to school, you get a job, you play it safe type of thing. So I was doing phone flipping and I was making three to 4,000 profit a month while going to school. And I just never even considered like when I, like, I didn't even consider, Oh, when you graduate, just do this full time. I was so focused on like everyone in, you know, just society, family, friends. It's just kind of the, Oh, how's that little phone thing going? But it's like, you know, this isn't just a little phone thing. This is a, you know, full-time operation. Yeah. And, and so it's funny how the, it's, it's just funny how, you know, society does that exactly like what you said. It's, it's, you know, how's that little phone business going? How's that little phone thing you got going on? And it's like, dude, I made more yesterday than you made in the last two weeks, you know? And, and I did it in sweatpants and I, I drove three minutes to the gas station, met two people and drove home and you spent 80 hours at work. So, you know, exactly. You go somewhere with that little phone thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely heard that one a few times. So um had a job out of college doing sales, did that for about a year. The pandemic hit, and so lost that job. And that was kind of when I was just like, you know, if a disease outbreak can happen, you can get fired, laid off at any time. I uh, just kind of bet on myself and doubled down and at that point, I was like, you know, I can make much more money doing my own thing. Not really concerned with anyone's input or opinions on it. So went full time in March of 2020 and been riding ever since. Awesome. So you said that you were uh, doing some sales. Well, first off, let's let's rewind a little bit and go back to college. So what did you go to college for and did you graduate? Yeah, so I went to Ohio University uh, down in Athens. Got a degree in marketing and a social media analytics certificate. So that was, it's not really a minor. It's kind of just in between a minor. But um, I did graduate in 2019, so have the degree. Um, you know, some people, you know, they get a degree in something and they don't really use it. But with a marketing degree, a lot of classes were sales. So I kind of feel like I use my degree to a sense, but you know, a lot of people don't, it doesn't really matter. It's just a piece of paper, but, um, I did graduate right. and looking back, can't say college is for everyone. Um, I think I did need to go just to figure out what I wanted to do. So that was an expensive, uh, expensive lesson to figure out what Exploration I wanted to do project. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good time. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, you don't need college or, Bill or Elon Musk or whoever didn't go, but you know, I think it's, it's got pros and cons and the, the, you know, the start a business when you're 15 and ride it till you're 60, that might not be for everyone. So I would say just, if you're considering it, don't just kick it to the side because the billionaire said so. So, um, yeah, good time. Enjoyed it. 
Yeah, and you know the fact that you went to college and you did get your degrees, and then you went out into the field, and it sounds like you went out and got a job uh, utilizing what you learned uh, in sales. Is that correct? Yeah, so it was entry level sales, just kind of where you start in the corporate world. Um, but I was had always been interested in like I did marketing at Ohio because I wanted to get into like advertising. Um, you know, like commercials and stuff like that. So I guess with the Facebook ads and stuff, using that daily. So it's paying off. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you took the path that a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs and small business owners go through is not everybody um, just decides to just start a business. You know, there's a lot of people, myself included, um, that, you know, say maybe in your teenage years or, or early 20s where you've kind of dabbled in some side hustles, but for whatever reason, you know, probably society, friends, family, you've got it in your head that, hey, you know, it's it's just a little side hustle. And so you don't really pursue it as a business. And then you get out in the real world and you start working a job or multiple jobs and and then you you really start to realize you're like man these my bosses are idiots my management is idiots i don't know how this business is still running and then a light bulb goes off and you're like i'm not supposed to be here like i'm i'm not supposed to be here with these people and and then once once that mind shift starts shifting man it's it's crazy because then you start looking at well okay well if i if I go to work and I make, you know, $800 a week, I, I just made that in two days flipping a handful of phones and then it starts clicking. You're like, Hey man, this is like, this is a real thing. And so I think, um, a lot of people struggle with that. And I think a lot of people get hung up on the fact that, okay, now they're in their thirties or now they're in their forties or fifties. And so time has passed for them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I've, uh, I see people that are as young as 12, 13 years old that just have that entrepreneurial, uh, mindset and spirit and they're making money. And now I think since the pandemic, we're starting to see a lot of people that are, you know, forties, fifties, 60 years old that are leaving the workforce, leaving corporate world because they figured out that, you know, they can sell shirts at home or, they can flip phones or they can repair phones. Um, I mean, there's just so many things that you can do. And I think it's time that we start gearing some of that conversation towards you don't necessarily have to go to college and spend a hundred grand for a piece of paper uh, for something you might use and you might not use. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of at this point, it's a fallback plan at you know, I have the degree, but like you said, it's just a piece of paper. And out of all the interviews I went to, you know, out of college, no one ever asked to see the piece of paper. It was just, so it's like, you know, they trust that you have it, but it's like, it's not some big important document that you carry around to prove that, you know, you went to college or whatever. So yeah, like you said, just a lot of people, um, myself included, you just have that, it's instilled from a young age that you go to school, get a job, you stay loyal to the job. 
and you work there till you're 65, you take two weeks or four weeks off a year. And that, you know, that's life. And when I was working, it got to the point where I was doing the phones, you know, phone flipping still the whole time while I was working sales. And it got to the point where I was like, man, this, it's costing me money to go here every day because I'm missing out on deals. I can't meet up with people. I can't respond right away. So I was mathematically losing money because what I was making there and what I could have been making phone flipping, I, you know, I realized I'm losing money going to the office every day. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. What, you know, you, you briefly touched on it, but what kind of things really started, you know, dinging in your head of, holy crap, man, I'm, I'm losing money today and I'm losing business. What, what kind of things, uh, were being affected? You said, uh, you know, you couldn't respond to leads or you couldn't do meetups or something like that. So let's, let's talk about that point where you started realizing I need to make a change. I need to leave what I'm doing and do this full time. Yeah. So I guess, you know, when it gets to the point where you're leaving the office, going on your lunch break to meet people and, you know, just putting more focus on the phone flipping, that's when I kind of decided that, well, the pandemic is what really made me decide, but cause I was teetering and then the pandemic started. So that, you know, kicked me in the right direction for myself personally. Um, but yeah, you know, at work, you can only be on your phone so much. Um, I've never been, you know, a lot of my leads are messages, texts. So I'm not, you know, on the phone closing people, but when you work for someone else, you can't just sit on your phone all day and close deals and reach out and edit your ads and stuff. So it was kind of like, you know, a little bit of responding throughout the day, lunch comes, try to close everyone for five thirty till nine o'clock, drive all around, you know, meet them and do it all again. But I'd say just not being able to respond to the leads and having people be like, you know, I've got two iPhone X's, Verizon, how much? And then, you know, they're sending a question mark. They're sending, is this a scam? This guy's not responding. So uh, just the... Are you there? <laughs> yeah. Like, so you could sense the urgency from the sellers. And that's, you know, that's a big thing in our our industry is the urgency of the sale. Because um, there's a lot of times I would be at work. I'd close somebody at, at one o'clock, say, I'd be like, all right, great. You know, we'll meet at five at the Starbucks. Well, between one and five, a lot can happen. They talk to the wife. They change their Absolutely. mind. A well, big thing is, you know. They get the money from somewhere else. <laughs> somewhere else. Or their Aunt Becky breaks her phone and she needs a phone now. So we're not going to sell it. So just not having that immediacy of being able to not, you know, can't meet up immediately every time. But the quicker, the better. And so that was definitely the main hindrance for my business at that point. I gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's definitely struggles. And I, I definitely know what you mean whenever you're talking about um, from close time until pickup time, needing it to be quick. I mean, how many times do you close a deal and, and then say, you know, when are you available to meet? And they're like, oh, I'm on my way now. I'll, I'll be there in like four minutes. And it's like, holy God. Yeah. we didn't even set up a time yet and and now you're already on the way and so now you're scrambling of can you even go make this deal happen right now especially if you're at work you know uh, i struggle with the ability to do that and 
you know, I do this full time. So, uh, you know, I have more time to dedicate to it, but I also have a family, you know, kids and, and everything else that goes on in life. So just being able to, to drop what you're doing right there and be able to go, you know, that is important to be able to do to, to close those deals sometimes. You know, it, are, are you like an introvert? Are you an extrovert? And how do you think that that plays a part uh, in the phone business? Yeah, that's a, actually a pretty solid question. Um, so I'd say I'm more introverted uh, based on my personal, you know, reflection on myself and just kind of what people tell me, more introverted. Um, not really, you know, I don't have difficulty conversing with people, but I kind of just stick to myself. You know, you know, I'm not the loudest person in the room. I'm not the guy jumping off the table at the party type of thing. So more introverted, I'd say. Um, I'd say that kind of comes into play with the phone business because a lot of times the a lot of times the sellers just kind of, you know, they just want like a smooth transaction. And if you're trying to be too like buddy buddy or you can definitely do this as an extrovert, don't get me wrong, but from what I've noticed is when, you know, you're too buddy, buddy, or you're trying to be friends, you know, they kind of feel like something might be pulled on them or you're trying to pull a fast one or, um, so I don't know. I right, just, right. I just keep it simple, small talk. Not really. I've, like I said, I've don't close many deals on the phone. So when I do get someone on the phone, I'm like that, uh, introverted part comes out where it's just a lot of silence and, uh, ums and eyes and, so yeah, definitely more introverted. Um, I guess it comes into handy just because uh, you know people just kind of want that smooth experience. Yeah, I you know when somebody when I meet a seller and and they're just super chatty, you know what I mean. I, I feel like they're trying to take my eyes away from what we're doing here, take my mind away from what we're yeah. doing here. So I try to be extra vigilant with you know the person, especially for you know obviously for safety. But, uh, you know, also the phone too, you know, is there a little bitty crack somewhere that they're hoping you don't see, you know, or, or something like that. And so I understand definitely what you're saying there. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to ask, you know, what is, what has been your biggest failure or your biggest obstacle or uh oh moment or something? And, you know, how did you get past it? What did you learn from it? You know, what are you going to do differently because of that? Yeah, I guess the biggest failure uh-oh moment was, um, so I used, I started out selling a lot on eBay, still sell some damn stuff on eBay. eBay's good. Um, I know people feel differently about it, but it has its place in the, the phone industry, definitely. Um, so my biggest failure, I guess, was um, I sold must have been pretty recently after I started, I sold like a new, a new in the box iPhone 10. Um, so, you know, I sold a brand new phone in the box as clean, clear, good to go on eBay. <laughs> so it was not clean, clear, and good to go. Um, got blocked for non-payment or whatever. Um, so I sold that as clean, you know, that's a mistake. You're going to lose money on the return, the shipping, but I ended up getting a message from the seller. And so the sell it was a Verizon phone. 
the seller, you know, it stopped working. Seller takes it to Verizon. Verizon tells her it's lost or stolen. So I freak out because she's like, I'm filing a police report, this, that, and the other. And so I look. Oh, I bet. And I, and I called Verizon myself, and they were like, no, we don't have a, you know, it's not lost or stolen. All the checkers just showed blocked for non-payment. So I'm freaking out. And so what I did was I just refunded $800 before I even got the phone back because the lady was like threatening me. I sent 800 bucks back, never got the phone back. There was no police report. Nobody came out. So out of the phone, out of the money, uh, they, uh, I don't know if they were trying to scam me, but it, you know, I think once I presented the, the, you know, I just had victim written all, all over myself in that situation. So yeah, the lady's blown up my phones. You know, the phone didn't work. It said blocked. I was going to take it back. And then she said, she's filing a police report. So I just jump in and just send 800 bucks back. And I'm like, you know, please send the phone back. Never heard anything again. Still nothing. I have the IMEI and it's unlocked now and it's got an iCloud on it. So someone's using it somewhere. Mm. So yeah, and starting it, out losing 800, man, that, it's, that sucks. it's not easy. And that was just, you know, that's looking back just a rookie mistake, but definitely the biggest loss I ever took in the industry. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a big loss. And so I'm assuming that was pretty early on. Yeah, I had been doing it for about six months. And it was like one of the first times I got a brand new in the box phone. Um, at the time, I was, you know, buying those, no problem now. Not so much, really. Um, but yeah, I was new. Guy hit me up. Bill of sale, did everything the right way. You know, he just didn't pay on it. Gets blocked. But yeah, yeah, I got home. I was so excited. I think I paid him five hundred for it, and it sold for eight hundred. And I was like, "This is gravy. Um, this is good. This is great. That's yeah, a killer deal." And so, um, so yeah, he didn't pay it. It gets blocked. I freaked out, panicked. Wasn't really thinking level headed, and so cost me eight hundred. Mm. So let everybody know, uh, you know, in the future, moving forward, what did you do to fix that? What kind of advice can you give to somebody that's listening? Um, you know, because a lot of people do use eBay. I figure that's probably a pretty uh, early sale in your eBay career. And so you kind of got to fumble your way, you know, learning it. So what can you tell, uh, you know, the listeners exactly what you did to change that to prevent it from happening in the future? Yeah, definitely. So as far as selling on eBay, I only sell damaged stuff on there now, mainly. And so, you know, if you do buy sealed stuff or you do buy, you know, if, if you're buying the current phone, you know, the 13 series, the odds of that being paid off are slim to none. So those ones have the highest risk of getting blocked for non-payment. So you could sell those as bad as on, on eBay and, you know, say for parts only can't activate and you might be good but the phones that you're going to get scammed on the most on ebay are the 813 you know the 800 13 pro maxes not the the eight plus you bought for 100 and flipped for 200 
you might get scammed, not right. guaranteeing anything, but yeah, scammers are more likely to scam you out of the 13 series, you know, the $800 phones, things like that. So as far as what I did to correct that, I just only sold damaged stuff on eBay. Um, everything I list is for parts only. And so especially when you're starting out, a lot of people can't afford, you know, I, that $800 hit had me thinking, packing up shop and move it on. And so, Game over. yeah, essentially. So from there, I just kind of decided, all right, all the, all the high end stuff, all the stuff that's new, all the stuff that's, you know, a 13 pro max they used for six months that all goes to a direct buyer. I know I'm not going to get scammed. There may be issues with the grading, but not, you know, once you figure out the grading scale and there's not really going to be scamming issues with a direct buyer. So started selling all my anything 500 plus really went to a direct buyer. Damn stuff stuck, stayed on eBay and never really had any issues from there. Just kind of move the expensive stuff to a direct buyer because eBay has its place, but it definitely, you definitely have the ability to be scammed or in my case, you know, you could set yourself up to have a situation like that. So just sending all that expensive stuff to a direct buyer uh, definitely alleviated and, you know, you don't have the risk of uh, things like that happening. Yeah. You know, you know, I know a lot of people are not keen on using eBay. I'm one of those people just because, you know, of all the scams and, you know, you got to be, you do have to be careful. I know a lot of people that are just, you know, slaying this business in eBay. And so, um, you know, I hope to get uh, somebody on in the future that's just absolutely just killing the game with, you know, primarily nothing but eBay. And, you know, hopefully we can, you know, pull some, some good information you know, out of that person and, uh, you know, help everybody. So if you had to pick one, you know, major pet peeve or something about flipping phones that just bugs the piss out of you, what would that one thing be? Oh man, you just want one? Um, I'd say the biggest thing. Yeah. Let's, just, let's dial it into just, just one, one biggest one. Yeah. Biggest pet peeve has got to be, other people's lack of respect for your time. And so it's just amazing. Like I am shocked that some people can put their shoes on in the morning and get to work every day. Cause like the, just the <laughs> lack of respect for people's time, you know, you say we're going to meet at six. Here's the address. I'm on my way. You hear nothing. You know, life happens, stuff happens, but just the, you know, the lack of respect for someone's time. If something comes up and you have a meeting, common courtesy, even if it, even if you decided to change your mind and you sold it somewhere else, just lie to me and say the dog got sick or something. I don't know. But to say, yeah, I'm on my way, yeah. <laughs> I'm 10 minutes away, and then 40 minutes later you roll in or you don't roll in at all, it's just, you know, it's frustrating. It's part of the business. And it was uh, not something I expected coming into the business, but just the common respect for people's time. It was like, man, these these people just don't. I don't know. Maybe that maybe the industry that's like that. But yeah, it, it was an eye opener. 
Yeah, I would say that was probably the biggest thing um, that was unexpected for me as well. And also my biggest pet peeve, you know, is exactly what you said. It's just these people do not care about your time. They will lie to you, you know, just, you know, I'm I'm right down here. You know, I'm passing such and such. You're like, okay, well, that's a quarter mile from here. And 10 minutes later, it's like, well, no, I'm passing this. It's like, well, you're further away now than you were before. Exactly. Exactly. If you had the chance, if you were in my shoes and you were you were interviewing yourself, what's the one question that you would ask? Maybe something I forgot about or not thought about. I'd say a good question would be, what are you doing to grow your business? Um, you know, we kind of get stuck in the post ads, reach out to people, and just, you know, coast with that. But there's definitely you know, different avenues now to definitely grow your business and expand your reach. Not, not necessarily making a price sheet and paying top dollar and getting everything shipped to you, but um, how are you growing your business locally? Okay. Well, let's, let's hit on that. What are, what are you doing locally uh, to, to help out you know, to make yourself grow? Yeah. So I think something I've kind of, now that I was trying to do this before Corona or COVID, and then everything shut down, so it was kind of tricky, but uh, just maintaining relationships with like local repair shops, pawn shops. I know you mentioned a boost store. Um, so just kind of get yep. getting those relationships maintained or established with places that currently buy phones or places like a boost store where you would think they buy phones, but they don't have, for whatever reason, they don't, corporate or whatever. But um, definitely trying to hit the pavement, shake some hands. Talk to people locally that have shops, see if we can work out something where, you know, they might, they might, you know, a lot of these shops, they might only sell on eBay. They may only buy, you know, there's some shops around here that they only buy stuff they can sell in the store. So they, you know, I walked in, the guy was like, yeah, we buy phones, but you have to have a receipt showing it's paid off. And I was like, you know, I get that because if they're going to put it on the glass case, they want to make sure there's no chance of it or very little chance of it coming back. So, you know, I kind of presented the avenue of, well, you know, if somebody comes in with a phone that's not paid off, you know, not lost or stolen, not iCloud locked, but just not paid off. Um, you know, could we work something out to, you know, create an additional stream of income for your store where you didn't have an avenue to move those phones before. And now, you know, just kind of solving a problem for some store owners, uh, say that's the biggest thing I'm doing right now to grow my own business. Yeah, those are those are definitely uh, just great things, uh, especially that I've found. Um, they just they just work well. You know, like you said, you hit it right there on the head at the end is you're solving a problem, you know, that people have. And, you know, what you mentioned earlier about the boost store was, um, you know, I actually had uh, somebody reached out to one of my ads. He's sitting in a Boost store. He's a sales rep at a Boost mobile store. And he's like, hey, I just bought this 13 Pro Max. I'm trying to get rid of my 11. You know how much you give me for it. And so we talked back and forth and, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, when and where we can meet. And he says, you know, I work tomorrow from, uh, you know, like nine to two or something at the boost mobile store and then told me where it was at i was like oh okay well you know what just to make it easier for you uh i'll just come to your store um you know because it's really no further for me 
Um, right. I didn't tell him that, but you know, it, yeah. it's really no further for me, but so, Hey, I'll just come to your store and, uh, you know, I'll just buy it there. And so what that did was said, Hey, you know, I respect your time. Let me do something. Uh, you know, let me do this deal while you're at work. So you don't have to take any extra time to do that. And then while I was there, you know, I, you know, I asked him if people come in looking to sell phones or, or how often do they? And he's like, man, they come in here all the time, but we don't buy phones here. So, um, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't really do anything with them. And then at that point it was like a light bulb that went off for him. He was like, it is kind of crazy that we don't buy phones or anything. And, and I said, yeah. So, you know, if you want to send them my way, I'll buy the phones, you know, put money in their pocket and then they can come back and, and buy a phone from you. So, you know, with a lot of those places, you know, a lot of them don't have financing or, uh, you know, it's, it's a pay as you go deal. So there's no contracts. And so a lot of times you need the cash up front. And so, uh, you know, if I can put money in their pocket after he sent them to me and then I send them back to him, then he's getting that commission check, you know, from every device he sells, every plan he sells. And, um, you know, I left from there and within 15 minutes, he had already sent me two leads and I'm actually supposed to go pick one up here in a little bit. So, you know, it was just, it was that quick. It was that easy. And, you know, as soon as he sees a couple of those people come back, uh, you know, with money in their pocket, he's going to be like, holy crap, this actually works. And now they're coming in here and buying a phone for me and I'm getting paid for it. So I'm going to send you know, I'm going to send him more, uh, more people, more leads. And, uh, you know, it, it should work out really well. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's probably the best example of it. It's, you know, you're, you solve someone else's problem. Um, you know, you definitely got to focus on your own business and try to, you know, be as selfish as possible with, you know, this is my business. I need to you know grow it, but I think definitely, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back type of thing. Like what can, how can I help you type of thing? Definitely, um, definitely takes you to the next level in the phone flipping space. Um, exactly. You know, it's not, it's not something you do on your first month of phone flipping. You kind of have to, you have to learn to negotiate with the common Bob with one phone or you know, you have to learn to negotiate and inspect things. But once you get, you know, some tools on your belt, you can go into a shop and have a conversation. You might not, you know, they might sell to, they might export, you know, they, they may have that already figured out. But I found out that a lot of shops here don't buy phones because they don't know how to check them. They don't have an avenue to move them. And so just kind of presenting that, well, if you get these in, you know, you could sell them to me it's an additional stream of income. So if you get, you know, if someone's selling something, just shoot me a text. If you get the serial or IMEI number, I can give you like, you know, a dead accurate quote and just kind of motivating them, you know, not just going in there, sell me stuff so I can get my sales up. But, you know, like you said, <laughs> the guys, the guy at your booth store, he's motivated to send you leads because it comes back to his commission check looking better and better because you're putting cash in people's hands. 
they can get devices, whereas before they may have taken that phone and went to a shop that did buy them or traded them in. So he's, he's maintaining that business for sure. Yeah. And you, you know, you mentioned something, another thing that really, really surprised me when I got in this business is the fact that there's a lot of, you know, cell phone store owners that have zero clue about phones. And, and I, I say that respectfully, but they, they really don't know that much about the phones themselves. And, and so a lot of them are just buying them from, you know, wholesalers that are, you know, with, with a guaranteed IMEI or they're right. buying, uh, you know, new stock and they're, they're basically just putting it in their shelves and where they, um, excel is selling that phone plan, you know, sell that phone plan so they can get that residual income and then, you know, selling cases, you know, accessories, things like that. But when it comes down to the actual phone, they really don't know that much about it. And I found that very surprising. And I think that's one of those avenues that, uh, you know, a lot of people find valuable is, is hooking up with these, you know, these owners and, and saying, Hey, I know you don't really deal with used, uh, inventory that much because it doesn't fit into your, uh, business model, but I do. So, you know, let's find something that works out, you know, best for both of us. And, I think a lot of people sleep on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you start, you know, going to pawn shops or phone stores, you'll walk in and, you know, you'll you'll realize very quickly that a lot of pawn shops, they buy guns, but they don't buy phones. And, I'm you know, that never made sense to me in my head. And a lot of times you walk in and the manager comes back with a big box, plop, everything's iCloud, you know, they used to buy phones in 2012 or whatever. They've got a big box of iCloud lock stuff. And he's like, this is why I stopped buying phones. I, you know, they had 30 returns in a month. Everything got locked. And so maybe, maybe you show the pawn shop owner how to take the iCloud or not remove the iCloud, like how to sign out with the seller, how to check a phone. You know, you right. might have to put in some work and show them, you know, if somebody comes in, make sure they're signed out, check this number on this website type of thing. But yeah, if it, and if it's clean after, after you teach them how to do that, if it's clean, Hey, buy that for your shop and resell that. But if it comes back that it is still financed or, you know, it is damaged or something like that. Hey, I'm your guy. Exactly. And, and, and I'll come, I'll come buy that. And you, like you said, it's a, it's a mutual benefit. Yeah. And, some stores they only buy, like I said, I found some stores that only buy with a receipt. Some stores only they'll buy phones, but it can't have any damage. So, you know, they're not going to buy a phone with a cracked back, but that's just an additional stream of income. If the guy working the counter, the owner, the manager, whoever, can say, well, you know, send me it. He'll send me a text real quick. What do you pay for this phone with a cracked back? I'm like, you know, I could give you. 300 bucks. Well, the shop owners there, they offer the person 150, 200. I don't know what margins they work off of, but just giving them that avenue to move that, it's definitely opened some doors and it's something I'm definitely going to continue doing here. Yeah. And, and so that, I mean, that just makes it so easy for them. You're, you're almost being a, a direct buyer 
for your local people. Um, you know, just like we have direct buyers that we can check a sheet and check boxes and say, okay, I can sell this phone for $300. And so that tells me I need to buy it, you know, for $200 or $250 or whatever margin you want. Um, you're, you're essentially just doing that for these shop owners and making it stupid easy to where they can, all they have to do is say, okay, well, if I'd give this dude a hundred dollars, Andy's already told me he's going to give me $200 for it. So I'm literally going to take a hundred dollars out of the drawer. I'm going to give a hundred dollars to this dude. He's going to give me his phone. I'm going to call Andy and he's going to show up in 20 minutes with $200. Boom. And I'm going to take everybody to lunch because that was just. It's too easy. That was that was stupid. It was so easy. Yeah, the the convenience of if somebody has a store, just being able to drive there and pick it up, easy for them. I like it because it's public. It's nothing shady going on. It's a you know it's legitimate business. So it's it's definitely a good thing. And it's easy for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because in those cases, when the customer takes an hour to sign out of iCloud or something else happens or the, you know anything the customer is late to the pawn shop it doesn't reflect it, it doesn't impact you really you just wait for the manager the employee the salesperson to say hey i've got the four phones we talked about when can you stop in five cool you go in with the cash it's smooth everyone gets what they want out of the transaction from the street seller to the employee to you so it's it's definitely something I think people should look into. Definitely. You're solving problems, man. You dropping some, you dropping some good bombs in here. I appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. So two, two last questions or not. Well, one last question and then something else. So, um, if you were starting over or if somebody's listening that has never flipped a phone before, um, what kind of advice can you get them to, or can you offer them to help get them started? Yeah. So I definitely say d- utilize the free resources that are out there. There's enough information to get your feet wet and start when you want to, when you want to scale, you know, you might look at a course or you might look at different avenues, but definitely get your feet wet with the free content. There's a lot of it. And I'd say the, if I had to restart, the biggest thing I would do is generate repeat business from your sellers. So I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, meeting up with a guy for 10 sealed phones and those kind of suppliers. But when I started, I was, you know, introverted. I wanted the, you know, I'd check out the phone. We're standing there in silence. Here's the cash. Goodbye. But you already have that person right. in front of you. <laughs> so you need to, as long as they're, you know, maybe you don't want to do repeat business with them. Maybe they're kind of shady. I don't know. But if it, if it's a good transaction and you've already paid for the lead or you've already, you know, you're in front of them, let them know. I buy iPads, MacBooks. I buy damaged phones. I buy this, that. If you have anything, please give me a, you know, please give me a text or a call. I can get you a price and meet up with same day cash. You know, I'm legit. So I wasn't getting repeat business for like six months to a year because I would just go, Hey, how's it going? Check out the phone, do my little sick W check. Here's the cash, get in the car. And that was it. No repeat business, nothing, but just putting it in people's heads. You don't necessarily need business cards. I've used business cards. They work, but 
just saying once or twice during the transaction, even if you don't do this full time, you can say, you know, I buy these for a living. I try to buy five phones a day or five devices a day. So if you get anything or you guys upgrade, uh, shoot me a text, you know, I'd love to do business again and just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. You know, like you said, the repeats, definitely a, a game changer, especially when it comes to scaling. And I think a lot of people make that mistake when they begin. I did as well. I did not realize the importance of uh, that repeat business because it is, it is huge because not only do they come back, but when they come back, it didn't cost you anything. They already trust you. You already, you know, I say trust loosely, but you've already done a transaction with them. You roughly know what to expect. Uh, you know, if, if, you know, they told you that they had a good condition phone last time and they showed up with, you know, something that has keys dug into it and stuff, then you, you, you pretty much know that next time they reach out and they're like, Hey, I, I got a good condition phone. You can go ahead and start tailoring your offer towards a lower grade device because you know from the last two phones that you've bought that they rape their phone with their keys daily exactly. and so it makes that a little bit easier so that whenever you get there you already know hey it's going to look you know it's going to look awful and and your your uh, offer is already closer to what it needs to be to finish closing once you get there so you know, that's definitely something that I think people should focus on, you know, a, a ton. Um, you know, and like you said, utilizing free resources, um, just a quick shameless plug here, but uh, I actually have a, a completely free mini course. It's at phonestofreedom.com. Uh, you can literally just jump in there, watch the videos, and you could start making money today. If you follow it, uh, you know, no credit card or anything like that, completely free just to get you started. Um, so last thing, you got to leave us. I want to hear a dad joke. It's got to, it's got to be, it's got to be a good dad joke. Let's hear it. All righty. So why should you never wear glasses when playing football? No idea. Because it's a contact sport. <laughs> oh, pretty, oh pretty man. I can, al I can already tell. This is going to be my favorite part of the show. I love, I love, love, love dad jokes. I love giving them to my kids. And so I'm going to write down everything that everybody brings to the show. Because this is going to happen every single show. So, um... You know, do you do you have anything else? Uh, if not, you know, we can wrap it up. I, I, I do greatly appreciate your time coming in here, uh, dropping some major bombs. Those are those are some really, really good tips. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on in, uh, you know, the future to see what has changed. Um, and yeah, go from there. Yeah, definitely. It was a good time. I appreciate you having me on last piece that I'd really kind of leave people with is educate yourself to an extent, but don't, the circumstances are never going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. So don't try to watch YouTube videos from now until 
December and be, and then in eight months decide, okay, I'm ready to flip phones, put in some work, do some edu- you know, get educated on it. But you kind of just got to learn baptism by fire, I think is the phrase. You just got to jump in with two feet after you've done some research and education, but definitely you'll learn the most in the field. And so just get out there and go after it. Absolutely. You can definitely research yourself to death and never get started. I mean, it's easy to sit here and watch YouTube videos, listen to podcasts just like this, and just wait till you have every stitch of information you can possibly have. And then you go out there and you buy a phone that you you scrolled through the cameras and you've seen all the cameras work, but you didn't look at the zoom. And then you get home and you realize a portrait mode doesn't work in 2x zoom because the zoom is broke. And, you know, you're, those things are always going to happen. So it's important, like Andy said, to um, don't get stuck getting started, I guess would be the best way to put it. Getting stuck, Perfect. trying to get started. Don't, don't do that. You know, you can, you can take that free course I just told you about, jump on YouTube, learn some of the basics, get your feet wet, and then dabble in some uh, cheaper phones. Don't go out there and try to buy a $1,000 Pro Max for your first phone because that is going to sting if you get burned and lose a ton of money. Just like Andy said, he lost $800 and he almost quit. Um, you know, start with some of those those cheaper phones uh, to get started. Build some capital, uh, which gives you some cushion to maybe get burned here and there while you're learning. Absolutely. I couldn't have put it better myself. Cool, cool. All right. Well, again, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll check you later. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on, and I'll look forward to listening to future episodes of this one. For sure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Phones to Freedom podcast with me, your host, Justin Fry. For free resources and materials, head on over to phonestofreedom.com. And if you enjoyed the show, I would love to see you subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform it is that you prefer to listen on. Thanks again, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.